0: Hey, Fire fans, welcome back to Feed the Fire, a Chicago Fire podcast brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. And what a week it is for the Chicago Fire as a soccer club. You get played off the field by Nashville SC, lose 3 0, fire your head coach, create a, pardon the pun, a firestorm of news coverage and Twitter activity. Then your interim manager, For the third time, Frank Klopas takes the team to Bridgeview and wins against St. Louis in U.S. Open Cup, your first ever match against the expansion side from MLS. And now you've got to play them again in league play. What a week, Fire fans. What a week. Now stay tuned because we're going to preview the upcoming match, try to predict it a little bit and see if the fire can pull off what I'm calling the St. Louis double, a victory in the Open Cup and a victory in league play. And then we're also going to take a look at Ezra Hendrickson's kind of farewell letter that he released on social media because, yeah, it's a classy thing to do. You say goodbye, but it definitely looked like he took a few parting shots on the way out and we're going to review it all. But let's get into the match preview. On Saturday, this Saturday, May 13th, we have the fire welcoming St. Louis City SC, one of the longer names in MLS right now, uh, to Soldier Field for a noon kickoff. And you think St. Louis just like hung out up here after their Tuesday night loss down in Bridgeview that they just got a hotel in Chicago, hung out? I wonder how much that's going to play on them. I don't know if they actually traveled back to St. Louis and then came back up or if they just stuck around Chicago for the week. But being away from home for four days plus, how you're going to fit in your training, your schedule's got to be off. You know, you're not familiar. Of course, you know how to play on the road. But for this long, I wonder if that's going to play into them somehow in the game. I mean, the deck's already stacked against them as far as home field advantage goes. But let's take a look about... About how St. Louis might line up here. They've been typically playing a 4 4 2 formation, Berkey in goal, the back line of Nelson, Hebert, Parker, and Nerwinski. Definitely Tim Parker is the notable name there, the MLS vet, the not just Wiley veteran, because the guy's still pretty athletic, but he definitely knows how to take a foul and to give a foul without being noticed. And then you also have Nerwinski on the outside. Got to keep an eye on him. He does like to push forward. The midfield is where they kind of mix up some of their lineups, depending on availability and scheduling. Typically, you'll see Stroud, Alm, Lowen, and Vasilev, uh, but also Watts and Perez have been in and out of that lineup. Again, this is where they're most flexible, and I would look to some early second-half substitutions here in the, midfielder, or in the midfield in order to give St. Louis that little bit of offensive boost on the road. By the way, Stroud has three goals on the season. Vasilev is excellent on the wing. You've seen him playing in a lot of great crosses, especially in that U.S. Open Cup game that they just couldn't get on the end of. And then up front, you've got your two strikers, Joachini and Klaus. Klaus, we know, has that poacher in him, but he also is an extremely strong forward, can have the hold-up play, can make the runs behind but his work rate is also something that can't be underestimated. He presses and presses hard. And that's part of the reason why he's gotten a few of those easy goals this season is because he's pressing the opposing defensive line into some bad passes and he picks it off and goes in on goal or his teammate lays it off for an easy goal by Klaus. He's got five goals on the season and Jokini has three goals on the season. So between Stroud, Klaus and Jokini, they have, 11 goals. That's half, I believe, of what uh, this team has scored so far. So those are your three biggest offensive threats. And we also have to to note here manager Bradley Carnell, formerly of Red Bulls. And if you haven't been watching St. Louis and if you know nothing about Red Bulls, well, they both like to press, especially with the strikers. Uh, and again, this pressing has resulted in a lot of teams being Unable to deal with it, playing a lot of bad passes in the back line, creating a lot of turmoil, especially for some of these possession-dominant teams. I don't know how the Fire are going to fare with this, because we know the Chicago Fire struggle in transition defense. And if you have Joachini, and if you have Klaus pressing high, and if you have Almond lowen pressing high, if the Fire try to use a single pivot, which... In a 4-2-3-1, it's more of a double pivot, meaning you have two kind of defensive midfielders for your defenders and goalkeeper to pass the ball to. If say Gastón Jimenez is being pressed and marked, then you can look to Federico Navarro and then he can progress the ball to Gutierrez, to Shakiri, or play the long ball over the top. Uh, and and vice versa. But if you have these guys pressing high, you may need to you may see Brian Gutierrez and Jordan Shakiri, Casper Shabilko already drops deep as a striker. Kai Kamara has done it a couple times this season, dropping deep. So keep an eye on if this pressure is too hard for the Chicago Fire to break. You're going to see the offensive players dropping into their half to try and get more involved in the game. And that plays exactly into St. Louis. And it is not the way that the Fire want to keep their shape. They want to go direct. They want to go quick. Shakiri one of my criticisms of him is that he almost passes the ball too quickly and his teammates either aren't ready for it or are not in the right spot or they're in a 50-50 opportunity with a defender there. They're in a foot race. Whereas if you're going to be playing those balls over the top or up into the channels or into the box, Jared and Shakiri; those need to be kind of 70-30 balls in favor of your team, not 50-50 in the space, and then you can just kind of hang back and, and not support the play, right? And Pretend that you're in the right defensive position. So, I, I think the fire, if they're going to get pressed like this, they need to be able to have a certain outlet. I don't think Casper is that guy. If Kai starts up top, then you're going to see, I hope, Yorgos Koutsias early on in the second half, if not at halftime, to be an outlet. Or early substitutions, Haile Selassie, in for Mueller if he starts, or vice vice versa, not vice Mueller, if Mueller ends up uh, starting Haile Selassie, coming in off the bench relatively quickly. I also think this is a great opportunity for Jairo Torres to get in. He's been training this week, uh, and his speed and his ability to take on that first defender could serve very well for the fire uh, if he's 100% and gets a run of minutes now, St. Louis, what are their strengths? What do they do well? If you haven't been following them this season, they are a very good attacking team. They have the most goals in MLS with 22, despite having an expected goal of 13.5. And these numbers are from the website fbref.com. They also have 11 assists of those 22 goals. So half of their goals are. Are assisted, and the other half is just turnovers and pressure, and maybe some deflections or uncles, things like that, um, or, or PKs. Right, so they are doing a very good job of playing cohesively up front, creating opportunities. On that same vein, they are top five in MLS in shots on target and shots on target percentage. So, how many shots that you take are actually getting on on frame? Right, so they are creating good opportunities. They are also the highest in MLS in goals per shot and they're third in the league on goals per shot on target. So they're efficient. Not only do they create good opportunities, they are efficient. But what's interesting to note here, the Chicago Fire are second in MLS for goals per shot on target. So you can see how that number can easily be fudged because when the fire shoot on goal, they've got about a 50% chance of going in. It's just that they do it so rarely. That's the problem. And in case you're wondering, Atlanta is leading the league in goals per shot on target, then the fire, then St. Louis. So their strength is their press, is their attack, is is their shooting, right? So the fire defense is going to have their work cut out for them in this match. Additionally, we can't overlook the goalkeeping Berkey has a save percentage of 80% as a result of making 39 saves on the season, both fifth best in the league. So while we look to their offense, while we look to Joe and Klaus, and while we look on the defense, more of a Tim Parker running things on the back line, they do have a solid goalkeeper in Berkey. Hopefully the fire can kind of reduce some of those numbers get a few good shots on him, get an early lead just like we saw in that U.S. Open Cup match. However, I don't think it will play out like the U.S. Open Cup match did. I think that St. Louis is going to be going for it a little bit more. I think that the Fire are probably going to be playing a little bit more on their heels, being that it's kind of a regular season game and maybe they'll be lucky to get out of here with a point, even though it is a home match. And here's the other reason why I don't think it's going to look like the U.S. Open Cup match. The Fire played a competent game Tuesday night. They took advantage of some early laziness and a good deflection by the St. Louis defense and ended up getting the win, but it could have easily been 2-1 to St. Louis or even worse. The fire did have some defensive breakdowns and bailouts and some, some good saves by Rishi, right? The fire did not impress me in that game. They just, like I said, they were a competent team, took advantage when they could get the two goals But relative to the Nashville game and the disappointment of dropping leads, people are looking at it as, wow, this is great. This is a turning point. It's the new coach bump. Like they, this is the best game they've played. I I think it's all relative in the grand picture. I think it was just an average at best games. And I'm going to ask you fire fans to temper your excitement here. I expect St. Louis to press more press higher, use their subs. And again, this is an expansion team. They're still trying to feel out how to balance a regular season schedule with a U.S. Open Cup. And St. Louis is clearly putting more of an emphasis on the regular season, whereas the Fire, despite everyone saying, oh, they're only a few points out of a playoff spot, the Fire are emphasizing U.S. Open Cup, something that also comes along with interim manager Frank Klopas, he and defensive coach C.J. Brown were players on the Fire teams that won U.S. Open Cup, so you can see them putting a premium on that. As a lot of people are saying, this is the Fire's best chance to win a trophy this season. Yeah, people are still talking about the Chicago Fire and trophies. And also, I'm I'm going to jump ahead in my podcast notes here. If you look at their U.S. Open Cup draw, they are playing at Austin. In the U.S. Open Cup. And if Austin is not prepared for U.S. Open Cup play. Or wants to rotate their U.S. Open Cup squad. And focus more on the MLS season. That means the Chicago Fire. Should they get the victory. Should they emphasize the U.S. Open Cup. and the round of 16. Get into the uh, round of eight teams. They would have. Either Minnesota or Houston. Whoever wins either of those games. And then I think. I think the Fire would host. I'll have to go back and read the U.S. Open Cup draw rules, but if the Fire beat Austin, then they would host the winner of Minnesota and Houston, a very winnable game for the Fire, assuming they continue to focus on the U.S. Open Cup and keep their starters in good shape. Then they're into the semis, guys, and then all bets are off at that point. So you can see the Chicago Fire trying to place some emphasis on the U.S. Open Cup. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because there's still a lot of football, a lot of soccer to be played. There's still a lot of question marks on whether Shakiri is going to be motivated, on whether Gutierrez and Shakiri can still play together, and whether that back line is going to maintain uh, their health. Especially given the knocks to Tehran and Chios, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's let's look back at this upcoming match against St. Louis and take a look on the other side of the pitch to the home side, the Chicago Fire. The big question I have is injuries, speaking of, right? Now per Alex Calabrese of Men in Red. Go check them out. They have an entire team of writers, podcasters, reporters. You know, they're 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 studying journalists, they're educated, they, they get in, they've got press credentials, really good stuff, right? Go follow them. So per Alex Calabresi, Chihos and Tehran and Hyro Torres were all training on Wednesday. Now, considering Ezra used Omsburg, Burks, and Chihos and had used Paneda against Nashville, then started Omsburg and Paneda versus St. Louis. I'm going to assume that we're going to see one or both of Chihos and Tehran starting. I think it would be a big risk to have both of them starting in this game and, and again, run the risk of having to use two early subs on your center backs. But I assume you're going to see them at least in some limited minutes. Uh, If the fire do need to preserve a point, if it's late in the game and they've got the draw or if they're up, And they want to try and steal those three points at home. Who knows what lineup Klopas will play, how many center backs he'll have on the pitch, how many guys he's going to drop back. But because of the injuries and because of the multiple games and because of how Ezra lined up the squad against Nashville, I am not confident as to who we're going to see in that starting center back or back line. Additionally, Chris Mueller was held out last week due to injury, but did play that second half in the U.S. Open Cup match. If he's feeling good and he gets cleared by the medical staff, I'd expect him to be coming off the bench at least. I think Klopas is going to have Gutierrez centrally with Shakiri on the right wing. He's made comments uh, as the interim manager already saying that Shakiri's played on the wing for Switzerland, and we expect that he can do that for us too. Um, And then you'll have Myron Haile Selassie on the other wing, uh, unless you want to keep Shakiri on the right so he can cut back onto that left foot, and then you start Mueller on the left and then see if Halase has got to come in on either side or, or use Torres uh, t- uh, and Mueller as a sub. Here is my predicted 4-2-3-1. Again, low confidence in this one. Uh, Chris Brady in goal. He got the night off in the U.S. Open Cup game. Spencer Rissi gets the win. All good for him. Chris Brady should be back starting. Uh, and my back line, I'm anticipating Miguel Navarro, Rafa Chihos, Wyatt Olmsberg, and Arnoso K Defensive mids, Federico Navarro, Gaston Jimenez. Uh, We may see some rotation there just based on U.S. Open Cup play, but I think those two guys should be starting in the middle. Attacking mids, Shakiri on the right, Gutierrez centrally, Jale Selassie on the left. I wonder if Klopas is going to try and throw him on the left and see if he can adapt there. If not, then I would expect to see uh, Torres or Mueller and then having Halase and the other coming off as a sub. I would expect Kai Kamara to start up top as the striker Kutzius has had a couple bad games. Now the, the game against Nashville with the two striker setup, I, I really think he was not coached well. I really think he was out of position. I don't think he is getting a lot of guidance and he has not developed a rapport with Kai Kamara on how they can play as a two striker set, not a shot against Kai. It's just the fact that they haven't played together at all. Uh, so also in the U S open cup game, Kutzius was a, a relatively early sub, I believe and I just—he's had a couple bad games. I expect him to be on the bench, but I do expect him to improve greatly throughout the course of this season. And I hope—and I expect him to be a second-half sub. Now, looking at my odds and predictions here, right? Well, not my odds. We're going to look at Vegas's odds here. According to BetMGM, as of Thursday morning, the 11th, the Fire are at minus 110, still favorites. The draw and St. Louis's win are both at plus. 260. So you bet 100 bucks if the fire, uh, if the fire, you'd have to bet 110 to make 100 if the fire win. And if you bet 100 and it's a draw or St. Louis wins, 260 is the payout. I always find the odds interesting when you have the draw and you have uh, another team, especially the away team, as is the same odds, right? Kind of tells you that there's a little bit more confidence I wonder if you read that as more confidence in the home team and the fire winning the game, or if you have it as just the fire aren't going to win the game. So I wonder how that how you guys play that out and how you interpret that, you you strategic investors and gamblers out there. So shoot me a comment, shoot me an email, a direct message at glasshouse soccer on social or glasshouse soccer at gmail.com with uh, what you think that means to you. Now, the fire being favorites, that's something I am not used to. And and beating any team twice in a season, let alone in one week, is extremely tough. I am not ready to be optimistic and then get hurt again. So I am going to pick St. Louis with a 3-1 victory. I think they get rolling early. I think the fire get a consolation goal in the second half. I mean, this could be 3-0, Um relatively early in the second half and then the fire can get a consolation goal. It's kind of what I'm leaning towards rather than the fire getting another quick goal and controlling a lot of the first half, uh, like we saw in the U S open game open cup game. Anyway, let me know what you think. Let me know in the comments again, find me on social media and we will start and continue the conversation. Now, the last bit I wanted to talk about was Ezra Hendrickson's departure. He issued a statement via social media about his firing, and, and it got the usual response. We love you, coach. It's not your fault. You get a new job. We're going to be a new head coach soon. And, and yes, everyone, fans, pundits, executives in the league, everyone knows that the fire's problems are not just because of the coach, not just from Ezra Hendrickson. We know that Heights and Pelzer have done a terrible job building this team and growing this team on the field and off the field, right? But just because you fired someone, we don't have to forget how poorly he actually managed the team on the pitch. And we've talked about it enough on this show, substitution patterns, the uh, the rotations, the formations, the lack of adjustment, uh, getting out coached. Um, you know, la- lack of discipline on the field. We've talked about all that stuff, right? So let's not think that Ezra Hendrickson was some like brilliant, brilliant football mind here, hampered only by a bad roster. He he did not coach well against the fire. A lot of guys who are in their first coaching job, a lot of guys who are in their first manager job aren't going to. There's, there's no reason that he won't be a good coach in the future, but I think it's not going to be, he's not going to be given that opportunity as quickly as other people think because he did make a lot of basic mistakes managing this fire team on the pitch. So here is his statement. And there's a few things I think he took a shot at the organization on the way out. So let me read it to you. I'll give you my thoughts, right? So here's Ezra's statement. Tradition, honor, passion. Good opening, right? And also kind of a reminder to the people in the front office what they did to him. Uh, Thank you, Joe Mansueto, my staff, the players, the Chicago community, CFFC, supporters, groups, and all fans. Being a head coach in MLS has always been my dream job. I was so excited when I was named head coach of the Chicago Fire FC. I was ready for the moment. Were you? All of the MLS Cups, Supporter Shields, and National Team Games as a player and all the experiences I gained as an assistant coach gave me great confidence and optimism that I could inspire and elevate the club. Okay, cool. We're Talking about you still. All right. It almost sounds like it's a little bit of your resume here, Ezra, that you're already trying to talk to other clubs out there. Hey, I I did all this stuff when I was a player here. Continuing on. We always want a little more time in life and in soccer. That's true. But especially in MLS where the season frequently comes down to the final weeks, dot, dot, dot. Ooh, to me, that's that's a, a very clear shot at the organization saying, you should not have let me go. You should have given me the season because we can turn things around. You know how tight the the Eastern Conference is and just the league in general with all the parity in place with with injuries and anything can happen. He's like he's here saying you fired me too soon. He continues, "I am often reminded that it is not the speed but rather the direction that determines the success of the early journey." I believe this project was headed in the right direction. The team is three points from being tied for sixth in the conference, three losses all on the road, undefeated at home. So here's where I'm going to take some issue with Ezra Hendrickson. It's not the speed, but the direction. Well, the direction was lateral, if not backwards. The Chicago Fire have been the exact same team from an organizational standpoint, which isn't totally on Ezra, for the last five plus years at least since they last made the playoffs but even just under Ezra's tenure they have been the same team like they're they're either in the same or worse than they were at this part of the season last year they're still blowing leads they still can't create offense it's just now they're trying to throw wingbacks forward and contribute more to the offense and they're exposed in the back line he still can't get the best out of Jared and Shaqiri still can't get Casper Shabilko to score goals whenever he's there. And it's the same. So Ezra Henderson thinks things were going in the right direction. I have to disagree. Also, he says the team is three points from being tied for sixth. Well, yeah. Okay. And as, as the phrase goes, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to be too vulgar here, right? If, if my aunt had male genitalia, she'd be my uncle. Like we're Yes, yeah, so what if you're 3 points from uh <laughs> from sixth place? You're you're not in sixth place. You're in 13th place. So, there's that. Or in 11th place, excuse me. Um we lost all of our games, all our losses are on the road. Okay. Good teams draw on the road and win at home. You are losing on the road and drawing at home. So, there you go. And I like the spin. Undefeated at home, you mean blowing leads at home. Ezra continues, not everything that counts can be counted. And I know I represent myself, the fans, the club, the community, and MLS with the utmost professionalism and class. I will give him that. I think he... He handled himself as a professional. I think he handled himself with class. He built very good relationships uh, with the supporters groups, with the players, all of that. Again, I don't know that firsthand, but from what I'm seeing and hearing, I, I would agree with that. I'm grateful for the opportunity. He finishes that paragraph. He goes on. I remain confident that I possess the talent to be a very successful coach in MLS. Right now, I am looking forward to reflecting, learning, growing, and preparing for what is next. I am glad you're looking forward to reflecting, learning, growing, and preparing for what is next because I don't think you were, I don't know if you have the talent to be a very successful coach in an MLS. Like you you might, but I haven't seen it so far. I appreciate the love and support from my fiance, family close friends, coaching mentors and colleagues. The best is ahead of the journey. Thank you, Chicago signed easy. There you have it. Now let's take a look at a few things from around the league. Some notable matches. There's a lot of rivalry matches this weekend. Atlanta hosting Charlotte, a good Southern soccer rivalry butting there. We've got Montreal hosting TFC in the Canadian Classique, a struggling Toronto team going to kind of a rejuvenated Montreal team. We all kind of said that trade with Miami was very, very one-sided because they sent so much cash over to the Herons. But the players seem to be fitting in. We'll see if Montreal can continue against their rival. We've also got the New York Derby, Derby, Hudson River rivalry, whatever you guys want to call it, uh, New York Red Bulls in New York City. Down in Texas, Austin is hosting Dallas. That should be a good one. Uh, and then Portland hosts Vancouver in one leg of the Cascadia Cup. And then on Sunday, the original Cali Classico here, the Galaxy hosting the earthquakes of San Jose. So those are the big matchups, keep an eye on those, and a lot of them are going to have conference implications, uh standing implications other than just bragging rights here. Now we already talked a little bit about the US Open Cup. I just want to add though for the Fires draw, uh they they ended up getting Austin. I was kind of hoping they get Minnesota just to preserve some of that geographic rivalry uh that that the US Open Cup has, but if they can advance past Austin and get to Minnesota fantastic for me and some other news from around the league New York City FC has released stadium plans for a new soccer specific stadium the anticipated opening date will be prior to the 2027 season I'll just say that I will believe it when I actually see it built and that's all I've got for you in this episode, Fire Fans. Thanks again for our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Follow along on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, and of course, enjoy all the matches this weekend.